Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors, manufacturing in upstate New York, Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and most recently, Core Watercolors, an employee-owned company committed to producing the highest quality materials while maintaining a culture of stewardship and community involvement. I've been using Golden since I got into graduate school. Sadly, it's been about 20 years since then. What's not sad is how good the paint is. There's been a few times when in a pinch I've used another acrylic, which was a bad move. Golden's so much better than the rest. You can try their acrylics, oils, and water media. It's all top of the line. And for more information about Golden Artist Colors, call them at 1-800-959-6543 or visit goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by Topo Designs. Based in Denver, Colorado, my Topo microphone bags and backpack get my podcast equipment safe to the studios where I talk to artists. And I put them through the test. They're sturdy and dependable. Check out their products at topodesigns.com. Sound and Vision is also brought to you by Charter Coffee House. Charter is on Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg, just one block from the Graham L stop. Be careful, because if you're like me, you'll go in for a quick coffee and you'll come out a half hour later fully caffeinated, buzzing from the espresso, and good talk about music and coffee making techniques. It's a great place to grab a coffee and a donut, and then hit your studio and make some art. Find out more at chartercoffee.com, and follow them on Instagram at charter underscore bk. Julie Heffernan is a painter who lives and works in Brooklyn. Julie earned her BFA from UC Santa Cruz and her MFA from Yale. She's had museum shows at the Virginia Museum of Contemporary Art, the Palmer Museum, Manello Museum, and the LSU Museum of Art, the Witherspoon, the Mint, and many others. She's had solo shows at PPOW, Mark Moore, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, Magumo Ogida, just to name a few. She's been in countless group shows from the Forum Gallery to Wave Hill to the National Arts Club to about hundreds more, and she's received an NEA grant, a NIFA grant, she's a McDowell Fellow and a Yaddo Fellow, and her work is in the collections of the Brooklyn Museum, the Norton Museum, the Palmer Museum, the National Academy Museum, and many others. Her work's been written about in any art publication that you can think of. She also co-runs Painters on Paintings, a blog that weekly features artists writing about a painting that informs or inspires them. She's also a professor at Montclair University. I stopped by Julie's studio as she prepares for her September show at PPOW, and we spoke about emotional painting, Al Held, her son's music, Corbet being braggy, and a lot more. Here's our conversation. So it's been a while. Yeah. Um, driving over here, I was thinking, knowing you from whenever you... I don't even think I took one of your classes. I don't think you did. I think I, I think was just around. I feel like we did maybe one... Um, no, we didn't do an ind- independent study, but but a few studio visits, not that many. You were Helen's was kid. Was her prodigy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we each had our own like people, and for some reason you got uh, hijacked by Helen. Because I was in her 250 class. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I don't, what I was going to say is I don't know that much about your past past. Like past growing past. up. Like oh. where did you grow up? Oh, well, should I tell you? Yeah. Okay. okay. 
<laughs> I thought maybe you wanted to just continue not to know. No, I want to know where you grew up, where you came from. <laughs> I was born in Peoria, Illinois, okay. along with Dan Fogelberg and... Um, um, Wait, what band is Dan Fogel? Oh, he, he was the like, Eagles. No, 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 he was he was kind of like a soft rocker a million years ago. I feel like I had yeah. one of his. My parents had his a record of his. It was vinyl and it had like yeah, a yeah, number yeah. on it or something. Yeah, what's his song? Like what's his? Oh, they were just soft kind of um, wake up in the morning and drink tea and scones kind of music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we listened to it when I moved to Santa Cruz a lot. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, but we moved from the from the midwest when i was five so you don't have too many memories so i don't have many memories i just remember being really cold and my fingers freezing yeah um and i remember um uh stepping on a broken coke bottle and it lacerating my foot and running home and not being able to um open any of the front any of the doors in the house Uh running from front door to back door and then I remember them fixing the foot with a pink foamy uh, brew. That's all I remember. Oh, really? There was a pink foamy brew that they, that, that I guess, what in the hospital. That? It was probably blood, probably watery oh, blood, yeah. but Mixed I remember in. pink foam. Anyway. That's your big Peoria That's all memory. I remember from Peoria. <laughs> Wait, is Peoria a college town, though, or nearby? No, no, no. Peoria is kind of oh, um, just a pit. Yeah. 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 Is it industrial? Um, it was Caterpillar, Caterpillar. Yeah. 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 So that my dad was, um, always in, um, booze. He was an Irishman who Uh was a mechanical engineer and always in the booze industry. So he went from American distilling in the Midwest to, uh, Almaden Vineyards in the, on the West coast, Uh which was the rot gut cheap bad wine that we would get drunk on when we were in middle school so this was like an ethnic prerequisite that it yeah. had to go into that area <laughs> no right. matter what his is it he's an engineer a medic- mechanical engineer mechanical yeah. engineer yeah he was the one who designed those kalua bottle um you know uh labels with the little gold string oh yeah that was that was my dad oh that's cool yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, we moved to um, Marin County mm-hmm. uh, when I was about five, and that was when the hippies had taken over San Francisco. Yeah, and I had and that was job related, and that was job related. Yeah, Not that was American distilling in Sausalito, and Sausalito is this amazingly beautiful town. I don't know if you've ever been. Um, I think I have a long he- time ago. Oh my God, it's on the headlands, and there right. was one factory, and it looked in my memory like the Emerald City uh-huh. of Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. And I've asked people, whatever happened to that factory? And nobody knows about it. But I know he worked there because we went and visited. Yeah. So anyway, that's like one of those mysteries Mysterious. I'll, I'll have to solve one of these days. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, we moved to Marin County to this cowboy town called Novato, uh-huh. where it turns out Rebecca Solnit, who I admire madly, also grew up. Oh, really? So we had that little bit to share. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I, I, the, the, the thing that was, um, extraordinary is that, um, coming to this entirely different place where there was a gigantic red bridge over a turquoise ocean, um, and there were these beautiful long haired men and women, um, who all looked like Jesus. I had grown up, you know, with a lot of working class Catholicism. Yeah. 
uh, crammed down my... Surrounded by Jesus. <laughs> yes, I was surrounded by Jesus, exactly. You know, when my own father and brother were crew cutters, yeah. you know, there was there was Jesus everywhere. Right. So, yeah, it, it kind of um, flipped me into anything's possible mm-hmm. mode of thinking, Yeah. which I think is kind of great for, you know, starting off your own independent mind. Yeah. What did your mother do? Was she just um, a homemaker or was uh, she... Did she work? A homemaker... Um, yeah, homemaker, yeah. very devout Catholic woman, right? Whose whose veneration, I think, also you know, we always look for clues about like why did we end up the way we ended up? Of course. And I think that kind of veneration was also powerful. Yeah. You know, she she felt the spirit deep in her, and yeah. and and um, you know, de- devoted herself to being a good person, to being, you know, helping the poor and all that stuff. Yeah. So it was, it was, that was good. So was good. I appreciate her. I guess the, the obvious next question is, was there a lot of religious iconography in the home or were you, did you, were you seeing a lot of sort of images of Madonna and child or, you know, like a funny, no, there was one intense picture of Jesus mm-hmm. that, um, you know, kind of sfumato yeah. Caravaggio esque. Um, that would stare down at me, and again with the long hair. Right. And when my parents died, I took that picture with me. I didn't really want anything else from their home, but I took that picture. And the day I got it back, the dog ate it. <laughs> the dog ate Jesus. The dog ate Jesus. <laughs> so that was <laughs> so the symbolism in that is so deep. Yeah, you tell me what it is, because I'm I'm I, I can't. have no idea. You, but the only thing you took was Jesus from the house, <laughs> and, and the then dog the dog ate Jesus. And right now, if I can tell you a secret, the dog is dying in the basement. Oh no! I hate to say that. We checked on him this morning. How old is he? He's almost twelve, and. Um, He's, uh, yeah, he's on his last legs. It's okay. He has Jesus inside of him. He has Jesus inside of him. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, did so it was a recent eating of Jesus? No, 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 no. He he ate Jesus about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Puppy basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's deep inside him anyway, (laughs) but there were also holy cards and holy cards were, were very, um, surreal. Yeah. Did you did you did you grow up with holy cards at all? No, I grew up. I guess Lutheran was what we had heard, but I never went to church and never, like I had. There was no real. I mean, my dad would read the Bible. That was about it. He would read the Bible to yeah. himself or to you? To himself. Once in a while, we'd get like a scripture or something, but we didn't huh. really listen. Huh. And our house was covered in. Um, Native American paintings and imagery. Oh my God, that's so modern. Yeah, there weren't Jesuses. There were just Native American portraits and teepees and stuff. Wow, is that because they um, that that was like a cool thing to collect? Or? No, I think my my dad had like he was part Native American, like a very oh. small part Native American. Like but he, that's cool. So he was trying to grok his 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 background. I guess so. Yeah, yeah it's it was, very cool. Yeah, it was an you know an odd iconography to be surrounded by yeah. growing up in a way yeah. but it was it was cool huh it wasn't exactly jesus <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time he would read the bible yeah and didn't did you did you watch his face like did he seem really intensely I- into it uh yeah he seemed to well i guess so he seemed to be into it like like did you feel did you see devotion in him 
Because yeah, I think it's interesting for a kid to see devotion. Yeah, but it seemed part-time to me compared to some of my friends who went to CCD mm, and like CCD, catechism yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And boy, did they hate it. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so and I went to Catholic school for 12 years. So were trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, almost to a T. Like, they were all troublemakers. Oh, the wow. ones that were in Catholic school who had really strict upbringing. Oh. And my good friend who he was adopted, but his father was uh, a priest was the worst oh. he oh. would just party oh. and like, not the worst like he was a, a great guy but yeah, i yeah, mean yeah. he was reckless wow is he still alive because a lot of the people i grew up with are know. not alive anymore and i'm not sure yeah <laughs> i haven't been in touch since high school so. oh man you should well no you shouldn't find no, out no <laughs> some things are better left <laughs> unknown <laughs> Yeah, so I grew up, I mean, I saw intensity, but it seemed like we didn't go to church, whereas a lot of my friends did, so it seemed like it was kind of part-time, but mm-hmm. it still meant a lot, which was fine. I yeah. was, you know, and I've always maintained in myself a kind of sort of anti-religion pro-spirituality, so yeah, not yeah. shaping it within a construct and just being, you know, yeah, living your life a certain way that you feel. And I think that's kind of what I got from him is like he was taking from it what he thought was valuable and what he thought was morally, you know, a good thing to do, I guess. Yeah. And it wasn't so much about the show or not show, but, you know, going to church and like doing all that stuff. But for a kid, for a kid who had no responsibilities to the church, it was just an hour of fidgeting and daydreaming. Yeah. So that daydreaming. I think is Valuable. is really important. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad that I didn't force my kids for an hour a week to daydream. I Did mean, not bored? that they didn't yeah, yeah. do it on their own, but right. I think when you're, when you're in a, um, a, 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 a kind of a crowd of similar thinking people, um, and who, who knows what everybody else is doing, but mm-hmm. they're all focused on some internal state. I think that's, that's, I think that's interesting. I kind of wish I'd forced that on them. Yeah, and, and there's something really probably valuable about being in that situation at that age where you're young and you're, you know, you're you're unencumbered by the idea of death knocking at the door. <laughs> Whereas a lot of people get older. Yeah. Going to church means a lot. Because oh, like, my God. This is my ticket out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, but when I you're do. a kid, you're like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> like so I'll, I'll use my concentration to, you know, make the statues wink yeah or, or something. stained glass move or something. Yeah. yeah 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 and then but uh, eventually they would because right. you know your your eyes are getting blurry and all think kinds of things are happening yeah there's probably a value in everything really <laughs> do you know what i mean that may not be the intended value of it but like being bored is a really valuable oh tool for God. creativity i know i know there's been a lot of stuff out about that and yeah. it's like being bored is so hard it really is <laughs> and in this city yeah, <laughs> I don't think you can be bored. Really, I know, I know, I know, and with devices, but we don't have to go there. No, we don't. But <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to think about that shaping. You know, kind of like, well, when you were growing up, but you went to church all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but how did creativity come into it as you're growing up? Were you always drawing, or were you? Was this something that came later? No, no. I think it was building internal worlds. So, you know, the church was just an extension of that because you had, you know, Catholic church, you had um, figurative uh, imagery all over the place, whether it's statues or or paintings or the bas reliefs of the Stations of the Cross. So there was there was just all kinds of 
figurative images that were full of of meaning and passion yeah. you know because those saints died for something they really cared about yeah and um you know the 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 passion of the of of the stations of the cross Mm -hmm. you know that was so vividly played out i mean they really kind of knew how to um uh take you on a sort of internal journey yeah um yeah so so play all through childhood was an extension of that you know there's a real epic narrative in church too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you start out loving this baby, mm-hmm. you know, which is what's what's wrong with that? That's right. got to be good. Um, and then the baby rebels, and that's got to be good. And right. then that rebel gets killed. That's that's great. You know, that's like rock star. Right. Yeah. Martyr. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big story. Yeah. It's just kind of repeated itself. Yeah. <laughs> in different ways. Yeah. But yeah, so. You think you got a little bit of that kind of interest in storytelling and a bit of the epicness of that? Because, I mean, that's stuff that I think is in your work. Well, you know, it, it, when, when I started doing those um, centrally posed figures, um, nothing else made sense uh, in terms of, like, act, in posing them in activities. None of that made sense. Yeah. Um, and I realized years later that, oh, they're just, they're saints. You know, that's what the saints would do. They would just right. present themselves. They're just there. Yeah, they're just <laughs> there. They present themselves with their um, uh, attributes. Yeah. You know, their Catherine wheel or their eyeballs. Right. Um, and, and I was essentially doing the same thing, but, you know, wasn't aware of it until yeah. years later. Yeah, kind of like those are the 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 accoutrement that kind of like define who they are, the the symbolic nature of what they are. Like, un, not unlike Manet does with like common people, right? You know, like Manet does the painting of the musician, and then he's got the the, the instrument there, and the bird, and the lemon, or like all these different parts that kind of create that picture. Yeah, those were those are more props, right? The the the, the what I was interested in were. Um, um, extensions of the internal self right um so yeah so a, a, a visual metaphor for right for their deeper content and it does a visual job but it's connected to that the interior of that individual yes right yes yeah do you like those manet paintings even though they're props you know i hate to say it but i'm not the the huge fan of manet that so many people I know are, are. Um, yeah I mean you know, beautiful paintings no doubt but Bonard's the guy who breaks my who breaks my heart yeah um, he's the one who is able to show kind of a profound vulnerability or um, states of internalness that is what I look for in painting and right. Manet doesn't do that so much so yeah. much. No, I don't think that was his main goal. No, in a way. no. But he did other things really well. Yes. Like in Vancouverism, in a way. Yes. You know, like the barmaid. When I, you see the yeah, the yeah, yeah. In the back. yeah. I didn't like. Man- I so at Penn State when I was there, I, um, I took a an art history class that was based on one artist, and it was Kandinsky the semester before. So I was like, oh great, I loved Kandinsky. And I got in there, and it turned out it was going to be on Manet. Oh. And the entire class was going to be on Dejeuner Soulherbe. Oh, my God. 
So I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't care about Mayday. And then I took the class because no, I tried to get out of it. Nothing else worked credit-wise, time-wise. And I ended up loving Manet at the end of it. Uh-huh. And I had no idea all the references in those paintings. And they go back through Rubens and, like, all this, the connective tissue of what he was defining and how he was breaking the picture plane before, you know, Cubists were in a way. And yeah. It was really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And yet... If I can be so obnoxious. Be so bold, yeah. Um, there is a synthetic quality where you see him intellecting, you yeah. see Manet intellecting his way through the painting. Right. Um, that always stops me um, from, look, again, this kind of deep, heartful connection. I love that. You're an emo painter. <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's emo. <laughs> oh my God. I it's like it the is. emotional, like if that emotional content isn't deep or personalized enough, in a way you disengage a bit from that painting. Well, okay, okay. So it, conceptual it, it, art must just... <sighs> <laughs> but isn't it great for what it is? Do you know what I mean? Well, it would depend on who you mean. I'm just saying, I'm just putting this out there. If all paintings were incredibly emotionally tied to the person making them and were heartfelt and deep and emotive there it would get old okay 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 but i i have to I have to intervene here it's not because uh, pure emotion would be i don't know odell umberdon who i love yeah but the reason i love bonard uh, mm-hmm. is that the compositions are so smart they are so rigorous yeah um, what he does to you know play with space and and have that space speak to um, deeper content. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. So it's it's not just like that well, would wait, be. What do you mean? That would deeper? Renoir would be um, an example of just emo. Fluff. Yeah. Yeah. Fragonard. Yeah, and Kyle Staver loves Renoir, mm-hmm. so we 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 dip our head to Renoir. But I, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Um, Bonard has this painting. I think it's called White Room. And it's um, it's a white room, and there is a figure um, with a, there's a table in front, and then a figure behind, and the figure is crouched over, and then behind the figure are a chimney, a yellow chair, a, a white wall and radiator, and then a and then a door, and all those things behind mm-hmm. push down on the figure, and that white wedge of table in front uh, spears into the figure. Mm-hmm you know, pierces the figure. And that figure ends up looking like a really strange, um, conceptualized picture of um, um, bloodied, um, repressed bourgeois um, sad soul. Yeah. You know, that's really smart. That's good. That breaks my heart. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's, there's, it's, it goes, um, you know, it's rigorous. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. And I also, it's funny because when you mentioned Bernard, one of the first pieces that pops into my head, like associative pieces, a Solowet drawing. Uh-huh. I think it's red, yellow, and blue colored pencil on a wall and in shapes that are, you know, it's like an algorithm that changes. Yeah. But it does this weird flicker. Mm. And it's a beautiful piece, but it's Mm. on the wall and it's too large. and, And it's, you would put those two pieces next to each other and never think that there's a similar breakdown and pushing of space and but there's no emotive maybe the emotive is completely removed from the solo wit in a way uh-huh, but then uh-huh. again thinking of all the people who are doing it a lot of times he uses students or kids to like draw the or like you know mm-hmm. the people there's something about 
disassociating the process with other people or a collective social action that could be seen. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like, personally, I like all kinds of interpretations of the similar, that thing that you're talking about. Whatever that thing is that someone's getting in a painting or a sculpture or a drawing or whatever it is. Yeah. The different ways that that can be addressed but still come close to the same ending piece, I guess. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I find, I get all of it for some reason but I love that you shut down <laughs> when it's not that emotive you know what I mean I remember uh, you coming into my studio whenever uh-oh. I was a student <laughs> and I, you said something to the point remember do you, you probably don't remember what my work was like at that point but I was doing these number grids and making abstract paintings and you kind of said like look I don't really get what you're doing here but I think you're on to something maybe, but I don't really connect with it, but I want you to keep going. Well, that sounds pretty, <laughs> pretty flaky. <laughs> no, it sounded good. It was good though. I felt like there was something unconscious that, that you were connecting to with it, even if you weren't really sort of into what the process of what I was doing. Uh-huh, At least uh-huh. that's how I took it. Uh-huh. Well, you were definitely um, trying to steer yourself away from everything your teachers were doing. Uh, which is great. Yeah, I don't even. I don't. To be honest, I don't even think I could have come close to rep to mimicking anything the teachers were doing. So I didn't even. That didn't even cross. My yeah. Mind. No. This was. This was. You, you know. You were on a wave. You were. You were riding your own wave, and that was. That was very cool. And I'd love to hear more from you about how that turned into what you're doing now. But maybe that's my podcast. Uh, that's your with podcast. You. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll flip the. Uh, you should do a podcast called The Flip, where you just oh. podcast with other podcasters oh, that's actually, about what they do. That's that's a good idea. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so anyways, going back to, let's go back to your iconography. Yeah. And, or yeah. how you start. So in school, you were drawing, like in high school, say, were you an artist? Were you making art and into art no, stuff? No, no, not a bit. What not did a you bit. go to college for? Like, what was your... Oh, well, college... Okay, yeah, so... What so, was your track? So just quickly moved from Novato to, to Horrible Hayward, which is in East Bay, and it mm-hmm. was like a lot of bad drugs and um, people dying. Yeah. And so I left there the second I could right after graduating from high school and went to... Um, UC Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. where there was a figure, a drawing teacher, this old lady, um, who was so excited about working with a figure, and I'd never done that because I'd gone to Catholic school, and they yeah. don't, don't have uh, nude figures, <laughs> and that would just like, boom, everything yeah. changed. Um, it's just that one class of the one teacher, yeah, right? Yeah. So many people have that key moment. Yeah, and she, you know, I don't remember her being necessarily, um, you know, Meyer Shapiro or right. anything. She never showed us slides of anything. Yeah. She just. She had passion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Um, yeah. So that 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 did it, and you know that that's the kind of thing that makes you think. Okay, there there is a path. Right. That um, is is out there for everyone because yeah. who would have known? I mean, I did I did ask for an oil painting kit when I was ten, and I made you know two little bad paintings, and then put it aside. Yeah, because you know there was a lot of things to think about and survival. You know, all yeah. through those young years, um, but then yeah, then then in college, but all my teachers at at Santa Cruz were minimalists. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I didn't really know what the difference was. I mean, you know, I didn't, I, uh, I, I had never been to a museum. So it was just starting to go to San Francisco and 
you know, look at museums. Um, you know, and was definitely trying to be somebody who could appreciate what the, the contemporary art was about at the time, and and so did you know did a series of um, outlets uh-huh. um, that you know were just flat, yeah, but had holes, so it was metaphorically mm-hmm. profound, yeah. And um, I, you know, I thought that was very cool. Um, and then you know, all through grad school, I was kind of an expressionist, so yeah. I was trying to be um, th- uh, things that. Th- uh, I was trying to embody um, um, art values that spoke to the time. Right. Testing those waters yeah. of different ways of making that seemed yeah. Yeah. As at the time relevant. Yeah, as your number systems were. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then, um, and I've talked about this before, so I hope I don't bore you, but um, I was out of grad school mm-hmm. on a Fulbright to Germany. And living in Berlin, and painting up a storm, and um, started to notice at the end of a long painting day when I'd sit back and relax, these pictures flooding into my brain mm-hmm. um, that turn out to be called uh, image streaming, and it's related to theta wave activity, and it's just this flood of pictures that um, weren't memories or um, things I'd seen through the day. Um, they were like film stills yeah. from somebody else's movie. Is that overwhelming or? Um, well, it was just really interesting. Yeah. And and you know I was starting to kind of doubt uh, what was happening in in my studio. I had a show arranged um, back in New York um, with these expressionist pieces that I'd done in in Berlin, and you know had that show, mm-hmm. uh, but was still experiencing the image streaming and trying to to make sense of it um and use the next few years to try all kinds of different ways of of dealing with these little pictures um ultimately landing on these on the still lives that i think i was doing when i came to penn state right and the still lives were you know big with the fruit and then there'd be the the little thought bubble in the middle that was a but that was the product of trying a bunch of different things. Right. And that was the point that um, I had to say to myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to toss this other thing. I'm going to risk uh, n- not being cool, but I'm just going to pursue these, these pictures, which, f- which feel to me like if there's, if there's any sort of crux of creativity, it's pr- for me, it's, it's there. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, that must have felt not easy to do um you know it's like it, 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 everything it, it wasn't that it wasn't it was it was it was pretty easy to um follow that it's like you know if you're climbing a mountain it's pretty yeah. easy to know you're going to make it to the top not, not it's not easy to know you're going to make it to the top but it's pretty there's a path that's guiding you in yeah that, that that is compelling yeah you know the, the ease eases away and compulsion takes over yeah so i was compelled to figure this out and in that, there was an ease in putting the other thing away. And yeah. it, at that time, like, you know, in the 90s, we hadn't gone full out, like, postmodern, like, anything goes, right? Or was it full on anything goes, as far as subject matter ways of painting? Do you know what I mean? Like, now, when you go around, you, there's no... I guess it was starting to, but you know what I mean? Did, did you feel like, well, where does my way of painting 
my specific style of painting fit into what's happening right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was that was the scary part because yeah. that was definitely um, giving yourself over to a kind of work that w- you that I equated with everything I you know didn't really respect. You know, just just rendering chops. Um, yeah, chops. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I had to teach myself to paint that way, and and it was predicated on the idea that these pictures I saw in my head were clear yeah. and I wanted to find a painting technique that was clear you know you have right. a clear painting technique yeah. you know um, yeah I think that that's, that's a, a respect of the image mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to um, uh, ridicule it by going cartoony um, nor did I want to fetishize it by going um, super tight right you know, full on glazing yeah. every yeah. square millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. The idea was to get those images out there so that I could see them, so I could grapple with them. Um, and, and, and that, and that was the point. Yeah. But it's funny because I, I feel that way when I see your work that it seems like you have this image, it's in dialogue with a certain kind of painting. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's obviously visual references to art history in it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're just painted. You know, whereas I think a lot of times when people see work like yours, the technique becomes so far forward. Mm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I like, do. oh, it's painted like that. Mm. And that, you know, it, it just becomes the first line. And I don't think that needs to be the case. But Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and really, the, the, the real pursuit when I make these paintings is um, to get the design um, to get the internal, um, the compositional um, dynamics um, to take over. Yeah. To to basically organize all the stuff. Right. So it's pattern finding the patterns, the um, the the um, abstract patterns. Right. Yeah. There's a lot going on in every single painting. <laughs> <laughs> you're tired (laughs) it's almost visually exhausting when you look at like if you really look at your paintings there's so much in each painting well that that again that's where i hope you know when i'm when i'm looking for through lines abstract through lines to kind of take these 250 things and put it all into one shape (laughs) so you know that's that's what i'm trying to do um uh, do they take you a long time? The I kind of hate the question, but it, it's uh, interesting, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, what takes a long time is is to is to find again finding that internal pattern to hold everything together. Yeah. And and it has to kind of transcend the um, surface subject matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. and yeah. So that that's that's what I'm what I'm looking for. You know what else is nice too? There's so many different ways. I think maybe in reproduction, if people haven't seen your work in person, that you, it's not as evident. But there's so many different ways of painting that you get to do in these too, mm. which is must be fun. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, just like the portraits on the top left, is painted so differently than some of this more physical, you know, f- paint on the floor here. You know, there's, yeah. There's a lot of ways of painting going on in these. Yeah, yeah. Is that fun to push? constantly or do you feel like you've just got a rhythm on it and you do it the way you do it 
Um, well, these the, the this this series, which is for the next show at PPOW in yeah. September, um, I, I was after something. Um, I guess it's, it's Rebecca Solnit described it as 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 a kind, new kind of history painting, mm-hmm. where I felt like um, painting has been either sort of a vehicle for mocking mm-hmm. um, a lot, you know, in in the pursuit of critique, and there's right. a lot to critique, and you know, I, I just finished a show that's at the Palmer right now, Penn mm-hmm. State, um, yeah. that, that's about environmental debacle. Right. And that, you know, deals with refugees and it's, it's you know, kind of um, whipped up paint to deal with a whipped up subject. Mm-hmm. Um, w- when I finished with that, uh, there was a need to kind of collect myself um, literally and figuratively the whole me too thing was happening and mm-hmm. i wanted to make these these interiors where not only was the figure surrounded by people and images that that i revere mm-hmm. kind of as an honor honor uh, 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 not an um, a way to honor right and and at the same time she's holding i have this this i've developed over time like this huge warehouse of images in my head because mm-hmm. you know we've been looking yeah. at paintings for a Store long time all that in there. Yeah, yeah yeah and 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 I've uh, discovered you know profundity in um, so many paintings you know again the, the the first paper I ever did for Andrew Forge at Yale yeah was um, you know an analysis of a painting and I chose this El Greco Fra Potificino mm-hmm. painting. Don't know it, but I'll, I'll go. It's <laughs> just a portrait of a monk. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I looked and looked and thought and thought and discovered all this amazing stuff in terms of, you know, the way that he's dealing with kind of Manichaean principles, black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, he's got a white face with this black square of a chair behind him. And then he's got this white cowl with a black thing behind that. And and uh, uh, up and down, there's this, there's very, very clear delineations um, where the top of the chair is is right um, a- at eye level. So mm-hmm. you know, like the upper part is sort of the heavenly part, and you know, the lower part is is. But the the coolest thing was that his cowl was. Well, Greco painted the cowl to look very much, and with the, and the, he has his fingers kind of tucked very sensually into these prayer books. Mm-hmm. Um, as so he's you know inserting them into moist orifices, um, but the cowl looks like fallopian tubes, and it was like oh my god, El Greco is doing this this mashup of male and female, yeah. you know, um, anticipating Jung, you know, right, um, with his uniting of the male and the female, and and that was just you know oh my god, that's that 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 is a painting revealing um, this, not only his inner character but this you know much bigger story of yeah. uniting sexes um, and that's the kind of thing that that I'm trying to uh, find equivalence in in my own work so so there's all kinds of paintings that ha- have revealed sort of you know what I call secrets yeah um, a deeper truth in fact there's this crazy Fragonard that um, I've been painting in one of these. Um, it's called um, the the lock painting, mm-hmm. and um, I had looked at it for years. And it's it's basically this bedroom scene. There's a big red, shadowy boudoir, 
and a man, his back is to us, has pulled this woman towards him, and she's kind of swept off her feet, and she and he are in this radiant golden light, mm -hmm. um, and it just looks like the, the, the height of passion, and his hand is thrown up, um, and, and when, you, when you follow that hand, it was only when I was kind of copying it that I realized when his hand is, when you follow the, the direction of the hand, he's actually, there's this little tiny lock on the wall, and he's locking her in. He's oh. gonna he's gonna rape her, Jeez. and the pal passion of it just leaves, and the rape takes over. So you realize, mm. oh my God, Fragonard yeah. is an asshole, right? You know, I mean, there's incredibly sensual paintings by Rubens and, and you know any number of people, but th this painting made it clear to me who Fragonard is. Right. That's the kind of thing that, over the years, I have developed this you know deep relationship with so i wanted her to be kind of holding all these paintings yeah. like i have them in my head i wanted her to externalize that idea with her holding them and so it's kind of that idea of history is one damn thing after another mm -hmm. you know it's this linear scroll of um all of these powerful images that have shaped and formed us with the flip side of the scroll uh, of the you know the great paintings being kind of the truth sort of you know th that we get from the media from newspapers and film and porn and mm -hmm. you know internet images so you know that kind of playing yeah yeah two yeah, kinds and the of time truth. shift there mm -hmm. too yeah connecting time between and in those ideas between the past and the present yeah and you're doing it pictorially too like the goya can jumps out yeah like the goya can jumps out yeah <laughs> like oh it's now yeah or fairly recent yeah 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 that's great so for the show how are you going to be doing a bunch of painting new paintings for it yeah yeah so um so that's so the show is about eight of these scroll paintings mm -hmm. and then three um kind of um uh dealing with um the, our current political situation oh we have a situation yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i <laughs> wasn't aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's we no do. shortage we of subject matter. <laughs> right? Oh, boy. Yeah, my last show happened right after Trump was elected, and it was such a pall. It was in San Francisco, and there was such a pall over the whole art world that, you know, that it was a real downer. His paintings just practically melted right off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, good thing everything died down and turned out totally fine. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. All the roads are fixed. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Infrastructure is so great now. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, but you have a lot of work. When you're in the studio, are you a silence person? Are you music? Are you podcast? I, are you I hate to say it, but I am, a, I am a insane NPR it makes me crazy. I, 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 one shouldn't do that. But, you know, you, I don't know about you. I need to. I listen to music on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> well, when even I'm the good Lord took a break once yeah. a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all through the week, you know, you, the, it, it, you, you turned it on and you're just immediately sucked in because, you know, we have all these smart people telling yeah. us, um, you know, how to despair in a better way. Right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you do NPR most. So most I do of the time NPR. I, you know, I have this relationship with Brian Lehrer. Little does he know. Yeah. And Leonard Lopate now evidently has a show on WBAI, but nobody's going to listen to it because everybody's mad at Lenny. <laughs> but there's some really good, you know, new 
uh, yeah. hosts for his hour. Isn't that interesting when like audio format that, that people can be in your brain and you have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I like do. I used to listen every morning. I don't so much since I had my son. I, I used to listen to bird flight every morning. Do you know the show on Columbia's university <laughs> radio? It's uh, Phil Schapp. He does uh, Charlie Parker's music from um, 820 to 930 every oh, morning. Oh, nice. No, I don't. But the rhythmic every day of that and deep yeah. knowledge of, of that, you know, man's music and yeah. what it meant and to and he's just part of my head you know part of your consciousness when you yeah. hear someone talking to you and yeah. you have a relationship with that person in a way oh yeah but then yeah. you know but he has no idea <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you know i always hated corbet's painting of the 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 artist studio I think okay it's called. yeah yeah because you know it seemed like so arrogant here there he is making this painting with a nude and he's surrounded by all these people and it's right. like what an asshole why yeah. would he have you know the whole town in his studio yeah, with check him check me out until i realized that that was his npr those are probably the people he's painting for yeah. or or with those are the voices or the eyes that the community so to speak. Yeah, yeah 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 exactly or he was just like you know showing off <laughs> <laughs> gathering the that local village. Probably hey, what come check out. Yeah, yeah, that is I'm sure the truth. But I got I a decided. naked lady in here <laughs> and I'm painting it. It's amazing. <laughs> Good old Corbet. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I you know, I have to rise to their occasion because those people are telling me really smart things that they've researched and yeah. analyzed. And so I've got to research and analyze and, you know, rise to their occasion. Yeah. Oh, I set the bar low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to comedians and like <laughs> and uh, and like listen to lowbrow music. You know? <laughs> no, no. Well, that's good. So that gives you the fuel to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I could I could imagine some classical though while you're working on this. No, because that's the thing. I need words because I have too many words in my brain. Oh yeah. So I need somebody to sh- flush my words out. Yeah, deflect. Yeah, flush them out and get some better words in there. Yeah. 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 Do you listen to any young indie rock bands? <laughs> well, um, I happen to li- listen to <laughs> Bellows. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, who's that? I don't know who they are. <laughs> Bellows is headed up by Oliver Kalb. Uh, he's on a nationwide tour right now. Yeah. Uh, played in L.A. a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, really beautiful music. He's got a new album coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, d- d- he's still making deals with labels, but um, yeah. it's That's m- exciting. really nice music. Yeah. And what yeah. is, so I have a son. I, he's only 11, but he he's really into music. Yeah. And I know a lot of artists who have kids who seem to be into you know music is a big part of like were you did you listen to a lot of music how did he get so into music yeah so it turns out he's my son (laughs) oh yeah we didn't make that clear (laughs) we're just Uh, talking about this random uh, yeah 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 um he he had it he interviewed he had an interview recently with somebody um stereo gum yeah and um he mentioned me in that i would sing to him uh-huh. um, before putting him to bed. So, okay, so we had this bedtime ritual where I'd read him a story mm-hmm. and then he'd make me tell him a story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had this happen to you. I would have to make up a story every night and it would pain me. Is this, does this happen to you? I didn't have to do that. My, my wife's father does the made-up stories. Oh. And then... My wife did some of this reading, and then I play him music. Oh, that's good. So even to this day, so you I guys play are music. like Corbet Studio. 
Yeah. You got the neighbor in. Doing I bring the whole building in. Yeah. I'm like, guys, I'm going to play a show tonight for my kid. Just be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And tomorrow <laughs> He's going to nod exit. off after 10 to 80 minutes. <laughs> but you can listen. A kid. He's got, yeah, yeah, we got, got a village. He's got that village. It takes a village. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay. So, no, this was all on me. No, I, I give Jonathan some credit. But um, now I feel like I did it every night. So you sang. So, okay, then it would end up with a song. Uh-huh. So I would sing um, some, I pretty much sing Beatles songs. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to ask if you were allowed to do covers or if you had to, it was all original material. <laughs> original yeah. material. And the one he liked the most was I Will. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, that's a great song. I know, it's a great song. Is that the one? Who knows how long yeah, I loved you? That and then Julia right after it. It's oh. the perfect Paul versus John oh. tandem of beautiful songs oh god paul's is more upbeat and bubbly but it's still it's got a little dark side no no and then john's is like you know julia's pretty yeah downer. yeah now you're making me feel bad because i was actually allying with paul when i really liked john yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah anyway so oliver mentioned that in his stereo gum oh, interview cool. that that you know so you never know what you're doing to your kid. See, that's really nice because I'm sure that for every one of those, there's like 40 of the the, <laughs> the things you say that your kid, like, you know, has the oh, opposite yeah. impact on him. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I screwed that one up. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. But it's nice that they remember the good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, and he, he's 26. So, yeah. so he's at the age where, you know, he can start to throw us a bone right. or two. Is that when it comes, 26? I think so. That's think nice, so. though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because you go through a long stretch there where you're just... You're just an asshole for like, <laughs> you know, like they can't stand you. Did you get that? I mean, or, or, you know, you get the pushback, I guess, or the ungrateful. Yeah. 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 And then it comes back. Yeah. That's to be expected. Yeah. But it's worth it. All, yeah. all you people listening, it's yes. worth it. All it is. It's weird, isn't it? How, how worth it it is. Yeah. Cause it's a lot of work. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it would feel really empty without that side of things. Yeah, but we're we're on difficult territory here. Are we? I'm thinking about all the yeah. Oh yeah. You should edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of friends who did not go this way, and I would hate for them to. Um, oh no no no! They're trust me, they got it great. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to feel bad at all. Hey, they can go watch a movie whenever they want. Well, they could eat really long meals. That is true. That is true. But I I I realized you know we were talking about like I bought this house in 1992 mm-hmm. and that was when the housing market you know was yeah. at its lowest and Good time to buy. and that was and but there was still an NEA and there were still teaching jobs to be had. I don't think these so. All yeah. those things happened oh, yes, for yeah. us, right. but you know, not you maybe, but my students, mm-hmm. none of that. Yeah. So I feel really, uh, you know, what what was a really difficult decision, but we could make it because, yeah. um, you know, Jonathan got a job at Hunter and I got the job at Penn State. Isn't so easy. Yeah. So. Oh, we didn't know if we were gonna walk down the street and not get mugged back then, but that's true. Now you got the comforts of. You know, Ralph Lauren and <laughs> Starbucks or whatever, and you feel great, but then you can't afford to live there. You know, it's yeah. like a double-edged sword. Yeah, that's that's life. Kid, yeah, no kid, whatever it is, one kid, eight kids. It's all like there's advantages and disadvantages. You know. Yeah. You just gotta 
yeah yeah but i'm thinking you know now i have four floors and i got to bring some immigrants into into this house (laughs) no i really you know you gotta you gotta spread around yeah so that's i'm putting this out there okay publicly Publicly. it's out there (laughs) i gotta do this I'll, in the intro, I'll just put your address and phone number <laughs> where people can reach you. Yeah. It is a, I mean, this is a beautiful studio space. Yeah. Well, and I do have students um, living in our, ba- in, our, in our basement. Is that those 20 people that are down yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the ones that are. <laughs> that's poor guy. <laughs> no, that's Feeling very sweet. our grapes. Um, you know, so, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I realize I have to. You're I giving to. back. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. So... For people who are interested in your work, you're gonna have a show that opens September. You said September sixth. That's coming up. You bet. What are What are you doing talking to me? I know. Get the hell out Sorry of here. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you do a little social media, correct? Yes, we have painters on paintings. Mm-hmm. Do this with with Virginia Wagner, right? Um, where we invite people to uh, write a page or so um, essay about a mm-hmm. favorite artwork of theirs. That's such a great. And it's really, yeah, yeah, to, to find out that um, Peter, well, that, that wasn't so surprising. It's just wonderful. D- uh, David Humphrey has one up this week mm-hmm. about, um, oh, I'm forgetting the artist's name, but, you know, it's a kind of a frumpy artist from the 19th century who yeah. he found all kinds of wonderful things. In. And you'd have no idea that, that, you know, that he would go to yeah. that piece. That's yeah. what's really cool. Like, yeah. Well, even f- if you get playlists from artists and you're like, really? You listen to that? You know, it's so interesting to... Uh, yeah. Because you have these ideas. It's like, you know, that used to, everyone used to always say to me, oh, you must like Alex Katz. I was like, yeah, I like Alex Katz. And I love Bruce Nauman. You know what I mean? There's a lot of other stuff that, that I look at. Or Mene. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. that people wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So this 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 gives um, not only them a way to kind of give it up for because, you know, you know, you yeah. love something, but it's not until you look at it really, really closely. Right. And, you know, do all the due diligence and analysis. Yeah. That you uncover these deeper things. Yeah. It's a great resource, I think, for people to to read. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then. So off the top of your head, what's your favorite painting that you would write about? Oh, geez. I don't. I have to get back. There's there's a few that are popping in, but I don't know that I want to limit it to them. It's funny because when you were talking about Stations of the Cross, I was thinking about Barnett Newman's mm. installation at the National Gallery, which is a really, for me, like spiritual kind of. There's something wonderful about that. But uh, I don't. I'm not sure what I would pick. It should be like off the top of your head. I mean, you know, the, just one of those. Yeah, but right things. now, like, Dejaner Sulerab is popping up because that meant so much to uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, my all-time favorite painting is Guernica. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So, So yeah. I maybe I would choose <gasps> oh, that. Can I s- just be obnoxious again and say I saw that a couple summers ago, mm-hmm. and the preparatory drawings blew my mind amazing but the actual painting itself uh-huh. clunker con- no. <laughs> not a clunker but didn't d- d- didn't um kind of disappointed me so here's what i'm going to write about that painting is more than the painting itself it is all those draw- i taught a class on that painting oh. basically it, it's about all those drawings it's okay. about the references it's about that village being bombed it's about the life of that painting and what a painting can do socially and historically different than 
history can and writing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It, it's a much deeper. So maybe it needed to be kind of um, um, uh, a new media piece where somehow it became a mashup of its of a, a, it, all of its many stages. Because I felt like he, there, his graphic sense took over uh-huh. in in the final, you know, uh, yeah. manifestation. And and something kind of was lost. Yeah, well, Picasso did that because he he did so many versions of his pieces mm-hmm. that um, you know if you, if you make the same image over, you rework. Sometimes it gets it gets into its own head in a way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah. there's going to be some turns there that might not be the freshest. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I for me, I I see Guernica in the sort of like including all the what led up to it and the earlier pieces and. You know, and then the reaction that came after it. So it's more than just the painting. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, that's uh, so I got to see that. Mm-hmm. But um, but people who had, um, you know, not been privy to that, the you know, the yeah. whole the um, build up. So to speak. Yeah. The whole phenomenon of it. Um, I think th- there there's there was an undue hype about it. Yeah. That that is unfortunate because it, it definitely is the sum of its parts. Yeah. And it it also, the gesture of making that painting when he was there. You know, like, it's it was kind of punk to make that painting. Oh, no doubt. And what happened was so atrocious. You know what I mean? It yeah, was, yeah. It's just heavy stuff. I yeah. used to hate Picasso, and then I learned about Picasso, and now I love Picasso. I just thought it was all like, eh, I get it. Yeah, it's no, like he's... like for show or something. But then you realize it's... He's, he's somebody who always pulls it off. Yeah. You know, but grudgingly, I say that, you know, you want to find a clunker. Right. And, 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 you know, here I am saying this about the Guernica, but, um, but, you know, he, 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 he is able to have everything function on two or three levels, which is what I'm looking for. Right. Always. So, yeah, um, it's a, there's, yeah, he's it really up. gifted and he worked really hard. And he worked all the time. And he like opened up a new door. He never felt satisfied. I think. Yeah. He was always pushing it. Yeah. That painting that I saw in uh, in Venice at the Guggenheim, the bathers one with the the big figure reaching oh. over the horizon line. Oh. Sometimes you see a painting in a certain moment in your life, and it just means a lot to you. I don't know. It hits just the right spot. Yeah. You know. And yeah. It, it becomes categorized in your mind as like this epic thing. You know. Like the first time I saw Flavin. Or like a Terrell at the mattress factory in Pittsburgh when I was growing up, seeing that was big. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember when I was like in grade school, I think I went to the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh and I saw, I don't know who it was. It was a big abstract painting, but it just blew my mind. Just the scale of it. Yeah. yeah. Now I would be yeah. like, yeah, that's a big Owl Held painting or something. You know, I would be like, oh, that's a big painting or something. Uh-huh. But now, like back then, it was just... Really? You can do that? That's amazing. I have to tell you, I just went to Al Hild's studio up in uh, Boyceville. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you been there? I've seen pictures. I've never been there. Well, I met Mara Held, Mara uh-huh. Held who's his daughter. Right. And she gave us a tour twice. And it's an old dairy farm. So yeah, modest proportions. So. <laughs> <laughs> this was a 30-foot painting. And, and on the floor, you could see the marks of the 60-foot painting yeah. that he had finished. Um um, b- j- uh, uh, unbelievable. And and the thing that was so exciting though was that he, uh, you know, you probably know his 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 techniques, but maybe some people who are listening don't. He um, would do the preparatory drawing to scale, mm-hmm. 
um, you know, with all the pencil marks and the masking tape and all that, get everything and, you know, work it out just like we would, you right. know, moving things around and all that stuff. And then he'd repaint it to scale exactly uh, how he had um, arranged it, um, again, with no marks. So we got to see the originals and then the oh, yeah. the, the final product. That's cool. And that was very cool. Yeah. 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 What a what a whirly gig right. of a mind. Yeah, that scale is crazy. Yeah. Most people don't know he's actually twenty foot tall. That's why he paints. <laughs> well, we, we we met the guy <laughs> who does the t- who did the taping. Oh really? And he was about twenty feet yeah, tall. Yeah, did he have like the wingspan? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he could just you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was like six foot five. Those things are impressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 taping. When's your sixty foot funeral gonna happen? Oh, honey, um, <laughs> I got to get out of this room. Yeah. and and, <laughs> and I'm I'm on my way. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, just covering that thing. Uh, oh, oh my God! No, it would actually yeah. it would be my I would be in heaven. Yeah, to have that scale. Uh, yeah, the, no, yeah. I would have I would just be in heaven. That would be my idea of perfection. I have to do it soon because you know. I'm not getting any younger. That's what residencies are for. Go find a gigantic space to make a gigantic piece, right? Um, or you could just knock a couple walls out. Look <laughs> <laughs> in the yard. That's what I, I got a house in Woodstock, and that's what I'm just oh, about really? to do. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I'm going to get quite enough walls knocked out to make it that 60 big. feet. But I can get a dairy farm. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. nice to have that escape, too, right? A place to get out. Oh yeah. 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 And and we loan it out. So if you ever want to go up, feel free. I'll tell you where the key is. Oh, sounds good. There's <laughs> a little retreat. <laughs> okay, so September's the show. People should check out in PPOW's website. I imagine is the best place for them. Or do you have your own? Uh, I have a website. I don't do much with. Right. But um, but yeah, PPOW's website okay. is, is where you check it out. I can't wait to see the show. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh. This is, uh, I, I, I guess I feel like I, I let out all the stops, you know, yeah. kind of painted the thousand paintings, probably painted over a thousand paintings. It looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be great to see. So, uh, but thanks for having me over. Yeah. It was great to talk. Yeah, it was wonderful. Thank Good you. <laughs> Sound and Vision is produced, recorded, edited, facilitated, fabricated, promoted, everything by me, Brian Alfred. You can check out my work at painchanger.com, and you can go to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. It really helps. Take out a moment. If you can, leave us some feedback. Many thanks for your support.